What's going on, everybody? This is Brian Ward of the Dad Up Podcast, the podcast show for dads about dads being dads. I am super excited about the guest that I have on today. But before we get to that, if you have not yet subscribed to my show, please make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. Now, let's get on with the show. Hey everybody, thank you again for joining me on another episode of Dad Up. I am super excited for the guests that I have on. This, this episode is going to be a little bit different in that normally, you know, we talk a lot about parenting and the tips and tools and strategies um, the dads that I have on, the use in their parenting style. Um, but this topic is really uh, going to be uh, specific towards a certain area of life that parents have to face. Uh, when they have kids. And it's a really important topic. It's something that I have had to go through as a dad. Um, and uh, majority of dads that have their kids that actually end up going to college have to go through this. So or parents, I should say in general, but um, for my guest today, he's a specialist and I want to welcome him on my show, Brad Baldridge. It's good to see you, my friend. Thank you very much for joining me on Dad Up. Yes, it's great to be here. Um, for my listeners who may not know who you are, let's run a little history on you. Let's go back and, and kind of tell me about a little bit about you. I want to know about you before we get into so much about what you're doing, but I want to know a little bit about you, kind of your background, how you grew up, all that kind of stuff. And then also where it's led you today and the things that you're doing today, because I think the things that you were doing are really helping parents out there. Absolutely. Yeah. So I've been in the financial industry for most of my career, and maybe we'll get into my hard left turn that got me into the financial industry, you know, as we, we move on here a little bit, but I've been working in the financial industry, you know, probably 25 years. Um, about 15 years ago, I got very involved in figuring out college because I had a lot of friends and clients and so forth that were just struggling with it. And I realized you know, my, you know, I, I like to solve problems and I realized that college was this complex problem that was getting worse and worse every day as the prices were going up and et cetera, et cetera. So I realized that there wasn't a lot of people in that area and that could understand it. And the more I got into it, the more I enjoyed it. And I realized that there's all kinds of different ways and uh, for families to pay for college. And most families you know, would kind of focus on one or two ideas and they would skip the other seven or eight ideas that might work for them. Or another common problem I saw out there was um, they would say, well, my brother-in-law did this. That's therefore, that's how I'm going to do this. And quite frankly, a lot of times the way your brother-in-law did it isn't the right way for you because things are different, whether it's, you know, the academics of the student or the financial position of the family or whatever it is. So, you know, that's what I've been doing on my professional life. Now, I also have children of my own. I've got, uh, you know, I'm finally eating my own cooking, as they say, where I've got my, I've got a freshman in college and I've got a senior in high school and a freshman in high school. Mm. So <clears throat> two, two boys and a girl in that order. And, uh, so it's been interesting and, uh, um, and challenging quite frankly, as far as, you know, even though I know a lot about college, it's still challenging because it's not just the numbers. It's just not the hard science. It's the soft skills of what do you want to be when you grow up? And how do you, you know, how do you coach a child that's 17 or 18 and have decided that mom and dad don't know anything? Um, those types of things. And again, we run into this all the time with my, 
you know, my other clients and so forth. So I, it's not shocking to me, but you know, again, it gives me a little more empathy when I talk to a parent who says, you know, I just, you know, whatever I suggest is always wrong. And so how are we going to get through this college thing? Right. <laughs> um, yeah. And again, then that's not everybody. Of course, there's many times where, you know, things are working well. Um, but yeah, any other thoughts on what, you know, that's kind of my yeah. history and. Yeah. I mean, I, I think this is, like I said, in the beginning, this, this is an important topic. Um, it's something that I'm going through right now myself. My older son has already graduated college. My younger son's a sophomore in college. Um, and it, the interesting thing that I find is that as parents, uh, when our kids are younger, uh, this really isn't the, something that we think about. We're so worried about, about uh, trying to, uh, you know, keep them safe, protect them, you know, those sorts of things. Um, make sure they're involved in extracurricular activities. But really, college is kind of, you know, it's, those, it's that thing that's looming way in the background. And we don't really think so much about it until they start hitting that high, those high school years, you know, when they become a freshman and then there's, then they're a sophomore and it's like, Oh, what are we going to do about college? So right. uh, for me, you know, just kind of my background and growing up um, my parents, you know, blue collar workers uh, didn't make a whole lot of money. They made, they made enough to uh, you know, my, my, I had one sister, my sister and I, we were well taken care of, you know, we had what we needed to survive um, food and roof and clothing and all that kind of stuff. But my parents didn't have the money to send us to school, to send us to college. Uh, and mm -hmm. it was one of those things where I was going to have to figure out a way to pay for college myself. And how I went about it was uh, I went into the military um, and I spent four years in the Marine Corps uh, where I uh, obtained the GI Bill. And so mm -hmm. I actually didn't go to college until I got out of high school, went into the military, got out of the military, and then I started going to college. Um, and I paid for my college with the GI Bill. And right. so that, that helped me um, where my parents didn't have to worry about it. My sister never went to college. So, um, but for parents, you know, like for me, for instance, uh, my wife and I, you know, we were thinking about things when our boys got into high school, like, how are we going to do this? I mean, for you, you have two that are about to go to college, one that's in college. Uh, I mean, what advice would you give parents as far as starting to plan? When's the best time? Should they start when they're infants? Should they start when they're, you know, junior high? I mean, when's the best time from the really start to plan for college? Right. Well, I think there's two stages to college planning. I, early stage and late stage. So early stage is when you have that two-year-old, four-year-old, you know, middle school, whatever it might be, where you're not even necessarily sure that your kids are going to college. You're not real sure what, you know, what their path is going to be and that type of thing. But if you feel like you're responsible to pay for college, uh, and again, I've had parents say, you know, I'm paying for it all. I, that's what I believe is, you know, what we're going to do. Well, then you need to build that into your budget as you make financial decisions. Um, and then we have late stage college planning, which is you've got a sophomore, junior, senior, and now it's go time. You literally have to start visiting colleges, figuring out what I want to be when I grow up, choosing majors, um, <clears throat> understanding what it's going to cost, getting all the testing in, trying to figure out, you know, is the expensive school the right thing or the low cost school the right thing? And so there's a lot of actual work to be done when you hit it in the, in high school. So 
you know, both of those can and should be done. Many families, you know, what I see a lot is many families low into, roll into late stage planning and maybe they've saved some money, maybe they haven't, but they're not sure that it's enough. I mean, almost nobody that I talk to rolls into college saying, I've got so much money, I, I'm, I'm sure I got it covered. Um, it happens, but not, not very often. And so then you're trying to say, well, how can I use our, what we have saved efficiently and how are we going to be fair and, and some of those types of things as well. Um, but realistically, you know, sophomore, junior years, when you really need to start understanding, you know, will we qualify for need-based aid? Will we qualify for merit aid? How do those systems work? I think people have a, are at a big disadvantage because they're getting involved in something that's they've never really understood and they haven't been involved with it perhaps ever, or the last time they were involved with it was when they, they were in college 20 or 30 years ago. And back then, you know, the prices were manageable, the systems worked a little different. Um, now college is quite expensive, a typical student, you know, again, I hear a lot of parents say things like, well, I work my way through school, my kid can do the same thing. It's like, well, will you show me a student that can earn 20,000 in the summer. And because that's the way I did it, right? I earned three or 4,000 in the summer. And with another three or $4,000 loan, that pretty much got me there. My hair, my parents helped a little bit, but it, you know, it could be done. It's not, you know, that's kind of a fallacy now that, you know, parents are going to be on the hook and, you know, 10,000, 15,000 and up per year. And you don't have to pay it. You can borrow it. You can have your student borrow it, that type of thing. But in all those cases, the parents are involved because they're either co-signing loans or they're actually paying the bills, spending their own savings, whatever it might be. Um, it's pretty rare where a student, you know, can make it all come together by themselves if they've got parents that have any sort of resources at all. They're going to expect to contribute at least some. And again, you're not required to do it, right? College is not is not a right for your child. You don't have to do it at all. You can just say, I'm, you know, I can't afford it. And if that means you can't go, then that means you can't go. Now, people I run into value education or obviously, or they wouldn't be, you know, talking with me because they want to figure out how to make it work, you know, and work it efficiently, however it, it can be done. So I think that's the, you know, that's kind of what we're up against. Do you think that, um, I, you know, I, when I think about uh, having to pay for college, kids, that, you know, like my younger son, he's a sophomore in college right now. And I know that there are some of his buddies that he has are doing student loans and such to help pay for their college. Um, and I hear I actually just read or heard, it was either I read or heard or I don't remember uh, the other day where it talked about students are. Uh, the, the, the percentage of students uh, that are in college, uh, young adults that are in college are, is going, are dropping out. That percentage is going up. The dropout mm -hmm. rate is going up because students or these young adults are realizing that they just can't afford it anymore because their student loans are piling up. Um, I mean, do you see that too in, in you know, in, in, this, in the line of work that you're doing? I mean, do you see that happening? Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, there's a, a couple of challenges. Kids are dropping out. I mean, the reality is college is not an automatic, you know, bank, you know, what is it, panacea where, you know, life's going to be fantastic just because I went to college. There's more truth to that 
in, in our generation, right? Where there wasn't mm -hmm. so many college graduates. So if you could become one of the, you know, few college graduates that had the skills that were needed in the workplace, you, you know, again, if you're engineer, nurse, those types of things, I mean, you had kind of had it made. I mean, you kind of picked your spot and there were, you know, recession, you were a little bit recession proof and it, it's, it was a good place to be. It doesn't work that way anymore because now college graduates are a dime a dozen. Now it's a master's degree and now they're becoming a dime a dozen and even PhDs where there's a lot of education out there and there isn't necessarily a good match between the education and the jobs. So one more PhD in English isn't necessarily, you know, what the world needs. Now, to be fair, that PhD could go write a, a novel or do something creative or whatever and make a fine living. Um, but the idea that the world owes you a job just doesn't work anymore where at any education level. So I think that's one challenge is the other, you know, what's going on right now is it's changing, but corporations in the past would put, you must have a four-year degree in order to get this job or in order to get this promotion or whatever it was. And quite frankly, they didn't expect that degree to give you any particular knowledge. You know, many times they would say a degree in anything's fine. But what they found is they don't get qualified candidates if they say must have a high school diploma because high school diplomas are easy to get these days with no child left behind, et cetera, et cetera, that that doesn't necessarily limit, you know, the quality of the candidate. So if they can put a four-year degree on there, they don't get sued. They, you know, it hasn't been deemed discrimination in any way. And they still get enough applicants. Well, why not? Right. It makes their life easier. Um, now that's changed with COVID. Um, we're hearing a lot now that they're relaxing and they're willing to look at someone that has years of experience and that type of thing, right? I mean, anecdotal evidence again, right? Uh, you know, I've had a few clients as an example that started at the local corporation sweeping the floors and then they got involved in drafting and then they got involved in engineering and then they were an engineering manager and they never went to school. They just learned everything on the job and because they could do the job and the bosses had confidence they could do the job. They didn't care if they had the degree, but they don't let people in the door anymore on that path. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the, the challenge, right? Is you need to get the right degree for the, where you want to go. And, you know, but then there's always the challenge too of, you know, I have an engineering degree and I worked in engineering for five years and then made a hard left turn and got into the financial industry. So that's another challenge of, well, we spend all this money on a degree, then ultimately you don't use it. Or, and again, it, it's education. It's not necessarily a degree. That's the first thing is I see a lot of frustration where people say, I'm just need to get that piece of paper. I'll do, you know, what's the lowest cost, least effort way for me to get the piece of paper. And it's like, well, is that really the point? right? If all you need is the piece of paper. And again, sometimes it is the point, right? I just need the piece of paper. So I could, they, they won't give me the, ne the next step on the ladder till I have the piece of paper. So how can I get the piece of paper quickly and easily? Other, but for many, you know, it, it's something you're trying to go and learn. I want to go learn to be a nurse. I want to learn to be a teacher. So there's those two, you know, another area to think about is there's certain jobs that are very tied to certain majors and majors, you know, there's, you know, again, you go to school for elementary ed, your path is probably you're going to be a teacher. Um, what degree do you need to sell MRI machines? 
or what degree are you going to need for the next thing, right? When the cell phones came along, there was no degrees in cell phone management or cell phone programming or any of that stuff because they were so new that they, you know nobody knew how to do it except some enterprising young kids said, hey, I think I can figure it out. And they did. Um, and you know the whole industry was born. Um, but so again, there's a lot to think about from a, just a broad perspective and then getting into the weeds of, where exactly is this money going to come from? Right. Um, you know, most families are going to use a combination of strategies. The idea that, oh my, we're going to get a full ride scholarship generally doesn't happen, but lots of kids get scholarships. They just don't cover the whole cost. So they get a scholarship for a piece. They mom and dad save for a piece. Maybe mom and dad can kick some in from their earnings. You know, maybe they got an extra 500 a month, especially once the kids are off to college and your expenses go down. Um, Need-based aid, merit aid are on the pile. Sometimes there's, again, scholarships, reduction in other expenses. So there's a lot of different avenues, tax breaks. There's a lot of different avenues that families use to kind of put a plan together. And I think for most families, all the different pieces, you know, again, take you as an example. You've got a couple of kids that you've gone through college. You know a lot more now than you did when you started. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's getting to be useless knowledge. Again, I don't know if you have kids in high school still or younger kids that where you're going to repeat your, your useful skills, but that's the challenge I think most families have is, you know, by the time you really have this figured out, you don't need to know what you're doing anymore because you're not yeah. going to do it anymore. Right. Um, you know, and obviously our oldest is always the guinea pig, right? Where we do our, our worst egregious mistakes with the oldest and we learn our mistakes and we do better as we go down the line. Yeah. No, I, I mean, for me, um, I mean, you're right. We, when my wife and I were trying to figure out what we were going to do for college for our two boys, it was, um, we didn't have, I, I'm sure they were out there. Uh, we didn't, we weren't familiar enough with it because as you said, we, we just didn't know anything about it. So we didn't know that there were companies and, and people like you to, to kind of help guide us through it. We had to at the high school where they went, the counselor, the, the counseling advisor or whatever for the high school actually held a parent meeting on college planning. And that's kind of mm -hmm. how we kind of got started. So um, yeah, it was very um, unfamiliar territory. It wasn't a whole lot of uh, kind of digging and research. I knew that scholarships were important and um, that's, that's something that we should talk about is the scholarships because um, something that I've learned kind of along the way. Now, my older son, he's been out of college now for a year and a half. He graduated from Grand Canyon University. Um, and so he's, and he, now he's working for a sales corporation. Um, my younger son uh, goes to Hope International University in Fullerton, California. And, um, you know, as, as we went through it with my older son, we started to realize there are, and I don't think enough parents realize this, but there are hundreds of thousands of scholarships that are available for mm -hmm. students to obtain. And they can start, they don't have to wait till after they graduate high school to start obtaining those scholarships. Um, some of right. them require a little bit more work than others. Some of them are just a matter of sending in transcripts and kind of a, like a little bio on yourself and you get a $500 scholarship or something. Some of them are some as easy as that, but some of them require an essay. Some of them may require uh, work service. 
Some of them may require uh, other types of skills or things that, you, that our student, our children have gone through. Um, mm -hmm. we, how important are those scholarships or for parents to research and right. do their homework on scholarships? It's critical, right? So I have on my website, I have the scholarship guide for busy parents. So at tamingthehighcostofcollege.com slash scholarships. Um, but a quick gist of what scholarships are all about is there's kind of two major buckets for scholarships. There's scholarships from the colleges that you're attending. And obviously those scholarships are used at that college. And then there's scholarships from everywhere else. So Coca-Cola offers scholarships. The Gates Foundation has a big scholarship. Buick has a big scholarship. And then there's a whole bunch of little scholarships and a whole bunch of scholarships you've never heard of because they're very focused, right? The scholarships for dancers or scholarships for black belts in karate or scholarships for nursing students in Florida or whatever it might be. Um, there's all kinds of scholarships out there that are, again, some it's built, it's, you know, charity types, it's wealthy individuals that set up scholarship programs, it's uh, corporations looking to fund, you know, again, hospitals commonly give scholarships for nursing, and accounting firms commonly give scholarships for accountants, um, again, because they're looking to recruit in those, you know, they want to recruit those graduates, so they can start building a list of future nurses and accountants by putting out some scholarship information and getting applicants. Um, so there's all kinds of different types of scholarships and there are all kinds of reasons that they're out there. Um, when you get the from the colleges themselves, there's usually three levels there too. There's scholarships based on need. There's scholarships based on merit. And then a lot of colleges will also have scholarships that are based on a separate application. So some colleges say, well, you're in the pool for all of these scholarships just by applying. But these over here, we need a separate application. Maybe there's going to be an interview and some sort of process because again, many colleges say, well, we'll give $10,000 off for a strong academic kid and we'll give 10,000 off to every academic kid that crosses the line and unlimited numbers, right? So you have the right GPA or the right test scores or whatever it is, you automatically get it. But in addition to that, they might have a full ride that was endowed by somebody that says, I want to give one full ride a year to a top engineering student because I am an engineering alum and I feel I want to support the engineering school. Or my wife was a nurse, so I'm going to give it to a particular major, a particular school, whatever it is. It's going to have a bunch of rules around it. And it's a full ride, so the competition will be stiff, potentially. But if you would qualify, well, then you should go for it and go through the process. So I think that's another challenge that parents need to understand is sometimes you're going to be in a situation where well, we can go to this name brand prestigious school and it'll cost 50000 or we can go to a quote unquote lesser school. And again, it's not lesser in, in my book, but a lot of times the prestige ranking or whatever is, is lower, but you might be able to go to that one for 25000 roughly the same as your local state school. Um, and then here's a school that might be even less than your state school. Um, the challenge I think for most families is you get that pricing information at the very end. And that's where I help families a lot is let's get the pricing figured out before we apply so that we understand, 
oh, these schools, we have a good shot at coming in at a price that we reasonably can afford. And, you know, and there's a balancing act too, right? You can say, well, I can't afford a lot for a car. I need to find a $200 car. It's like, well, okay, <laughs> good luck. They exist, but, you know, do you really want to It's not going to run. <laughs> right, you know, probably not, right? Exactly. So there's some, you know, so there's a, you have to have a dose of reality because I, you know, I have parents saying, you know, we want to pay for all of college and we've got $100 a month to make it happen. And it's like, okay, well, that's not realistic unless your student's a rock star and they get a full ride, in which case then we don't even need your hundred bucks. Um, but that's the, the challenge, right? Is having a plan that is both based in reality and takes advantage of all the different avenues that a typical family could use. You know, and again, as an example, if you have an athlete, there's athletic opportunities but not everybody has an athlete. So you don't really need to learn about the athletic opportunities if you don't have an athlete, but if you do, there's an extra layer of work to do. Mm. Um, so that's the other thing is everybody has to do the core of you know visiting colleges, figuring out how to pay and that type of stuff. But then if you have a divorce in your family or a blended family or something like that, that makes it more complicated. If you're a business owner or have rental property, now you've got additional stuff in the financial aid realm and you also have opportunities in the tax realm. So there's, you know, good and bad there. There's more work though. You've got multiple kids in school at the same time. Now it changes how financial aid works. Again, if you have athletics or if your student, you know, your student says, I'm going to look at the four local schools. Well, that's a little easier than a student that says, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not going in state. I'm thinking East Coast, maybe West Coast, maybe Europe. I was like, oh my God, now what do we do, right? I mean, that's a lot of visits. It's a lot more work. And if you see that coming, you need to start earlier. You know, all those things I just mentioned, you know, start a little earlier. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for me, because I'm, you know, in the industry and I understood that, I did a couple of college visits with my oldest as a sophomore. Again, they weren't, they were just the local state school. You know, I was tooling around. I noticed the local state school had a open house on a Friday and I looked at my schedule and I didn't have anything on that day. And I, and I also knew my son had that day off of school. And then I looked at my wife and said, what do you have going on Friday? She says, nothing. It's like, well, there's an event going on at University of Wisconsin. We could go there and visit. Zach's a little young. You know, we may end up having to go back again when he's a junior or senior, but should we go do it? Because we, again, we don't know what, what's coming up. If it'll line up this well ever again, because you don't, you know, colleges don't put out their schedule way, way in advance. We don't know what it's going to look like next semester or next year. But we decided to go ahead and do it. And, you know, my son looked around and that was his first experience. And it was very low pressure again, because it's, it's a long ways away. He, we just got to go kick the tires and kind of talk about it and get him thinking about it. But, you know, that's an example of, you know, and a lot of colleges will do stuff on weekends where for a lot of families, taking the day off on a Friday or a Tuesday or whatever to go do college work. You're going to do some of it perhaps, but you can't do it all that way. Maybe paying attention and going to the local schools for a Saturday open house. Again, not necessarily that that school's on your list. If it is great, but maybe just to get your feet wet. Most students have not seen a college. They don't really know what you're talking about. Um, other than, you know, in our day and age, we learned about what college was from Animal House and the Nerds, right. um, which 
And again, then some kids probably still watch those movies, but that's not a good representation of what college is about, hopefully. Um, and, uh, you know, and of course, college is on TV today and on the, you know, some of the Netflix shows and so forth. And again, that's probably not a good representation either. Right. So they don't really understand. And again, and parents a lot of times don't really understand what being a college parent is about. So getting out there and, you know, getting started earlier than you think you need to. Again, I've had many, many parents tell me, you know, man, we started this too late. We're really stressed and crunched. I've never, ever had any parent tell me I started this too early. Yeah. No, I mean, there are, there are so many things you have to, as a parent, you have to prepare for um, and at least start to get, um, uh, I guess, the gears going. Uh, when your kids are in those, in those high school years, I'm talking when they get in as a freshman. Uh, and one of the things that's important for um, parents to understand that, uh, you may know this, you may not, but parents should understand that even those, uh, that freshman year, the grades, the student, the grades for that student for the freshman year is just as important as they are their senior year. Um, so it's important for students to understand that I coached high school basketball for a long time. And a lot of students we talk about, you know, they expect they're going to get this scholarship to play sports and scholarships to, for athletics is, is, uh, it's given out, but it's a very small percentage. And what we try to teach our players is that it's important to keep up your grades because listen, you may be a phenomenal athlete and a, and a college coach, basketball coach may come out and look at you and go, man, I really like that kid. He can play really well. The next question he's going to ask, what are his grades like? Yes. And if your grades are not up to par, they, they very well easily could pass on you because if you can't meet their GPA requirements for with your transcripts, it doesn't matter how good you are. The school's not going to let them in. So exactly. those are, those are important things to remember. Um, the, the other thing is when he was talking about scholarships and, and the different things that are available uh, out there and the different tools that you can use, I highly recommend you go to his website and check out the scholarship page to see the list of things that you can do. But there are so many. And um, I, I mean, I've, I've known students of my sons that have applied it for different scholarships and have racked up twenty, thirty thousand dollars in scholarship money just from doing little tasks that these scholarships require. And like he said, it could be something as simple as just sending in, you know, your transcripts and they take a look and see how your grades are doing and they give you a little five hundred dollar scholarship. It could be more complex than that. Um, but right. scholarships are super important. And you know what? Some of them don't always require the students work. Some of them require the parents to do a little bit of work. Um, but I highly recommend that if you have a student that is a freshman in high school, even a senior in high school, um, have them do the homework to start looking into scholarships and what they can do, because that will help ease that um, that burden of having to uh, to cover some of those costs. Right. Um, Let me add to that sure. quickly here. So not only do they have to do the homework, but the parents need to be involved. Absolutely. Where I've seen success, and I just, I just did an interview with... Uh, Christina Ellis, so it'll be live in a couple of weeks here uh, on my my podcast, where we talked a little bit. And one of the things she said was her mom was there to help. I mean, she won a half million in scholarships. Mm. Um, but one of the things she mentioned, and I kind of teased it out of her, is 
her mom was there to help. Again, a lot of times it was just sitting at the library. She was reading a magazine, but she was there for moral support. You know, she wasn't writing the essay. She wasn't doing the hard work, but she was at least there to answer questions. And um, so where I've seen success, parents are involved. They're, they, you know, try and figure out where the right scholarships might be. They, you know, understand how need-based aid works and merit aid works because some scholarships are need-based and you don't want to waste your time if you're not going to qualify for a need-based scholarship. Most students have no idea how that works and parents are going to have to help with that because it's based on mom and dad's assets and income. Primarily, it's also students' assets and income apply too, but of course they're often zero if you've got a high school kid. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the parents, if the idea of your idea of scholarships is you assign it to your student and say, hey, how are those scholarships coming every once in a while? Probably not going to work because again, students don't know how to do it any more than parents know how to do it. And they'll spin their wheels, you know, and again, it's not like they say they're intentionally going to not do it. What's going to happen is they're going to, you know, between all the athletics and sports and all the challenges that they have, prom and AP this and AP that, you know, they're going to sit down for scholarships for a couple hours. They're going to dink around on the internet and they're going to say, well, I don't know what I'm doing and get frustrated and walk away for a month and come back and do it one more time. And now next thing you know, it's too late. I mean, it's, Time goes very quickly. I don't, you, I don't know if you remember when your kids were freshmen in high school, but it seems just like yesterday, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it just went so fast. And I think that's the challenge that most families have is before you know it, it's going to be college time. And, you know, again, being involved and getting things started, I think, is the biggest challenge. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Um, being involved, helping them along. Um, you know, not only that, I mean, aside from, you know, kind of sitting there with them, kind of going through stuff with them. I mean, it's just, it just strengthens the bond between the two of you, between either father and son or father and daughter or mom and son or whatever it is, but um, it just strengthens the bond between a, a parent and child. So, um, so it's certainly important. Obviously that's the point of this podcast is that yeah, obviously to be involved in our kids' lives as much as possible. Um, so yeah, scholarships, getting involved early, as sooner the better, um, super important. I highly recommend you guys go to his website and check out his um, scholarship page. Um, but I want to talk to you about something else because this is something that a lot of parents face uh, when they're starting to look into college and they're starting, their, their child may have some ideas of where they want to go um, and they start looking up prices. Um, and they're looking at the websites and they're going, oh, that's not too bad. Um, but then when they start getting down to the nuts and bolts of actually meeting with the school and the school runs down the financial sheet and says, oh, this, 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 it realized, wait a minute, that's a whole lot more than what I thought. How do, how do you handle that was, as a parent? Yeah, I mean, so there's a big challenge around uh, net price and sticker price. So obviously sticker price is readily, you can look that up, right? It's just like the sticker hanging in the window of a car. But that's not necessarily what we pay. A lot of times we pay substantially less than that because of the scholarships that we've been talking about. So I think that's the first step. Now, so again, another resource on my website is net price by income on my website. So we've got a, a chart for each state that shows you, you know, th this school is 65,000 lists, but for people in the income of 110,000 plus, it's average is 35,000, not 65. And for 
families that are, you know, this income at average is 25,000. And that the lowest income in that school might be 10,000. Because at low incomes, you qualify for more need-based grants and, and various things, both from the federal government, from the state, and from potentially the college themselves. So that's the whole need-based concept of, now again, most colleges aren't going to be free. So if your net cost at a school is $8,000, but your income is only 40000 it's going to be painful. And then as your income climbs, your net price typically climbs. So that same school at $200,000 of income is 45000 and it's going to be painful. Um, that's kind of the way we've kind of, you know, uh, unintended consequences of the whole, we're going to put aid out there to help families that need it. What is now that it's, you know, They've raised the prices now to the point where every it's at the breaking point for just about everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, it's right on that edge of, you know, why is it so expensive? Well, they raised the prices and you still came. Now, recently they've raised prices, but they've also had to raise the scholarship in order to keep you coming. So the net, you know, we've heard that rumor and a lot of times you'll, you know, your financial advisor might say, well, geez, you know, private schools have been going up at 6% a year and they do the math when you've got a four-year-old and we're starting at 60,000. So they're going to tell you some crazy thing like, well, it's going to cost $200,000 a year to go to for your 18 year old when they grow up to go to college. And it's like, well, yes, it has inflated a lot in the past, but that's not necessarily going to continue at that level. Um, it, it may, but I don't, you know, again, I think that's a little spurious as far as what actually is going to happen. But again, that is one of the biggest challenges is a lot of times people will say, well, we can't afford a private school. It's 65,000 or 75,000. It's like, well, not, not for you. It could be 30,000, 20,000, 10,000. A lot of times, especially, you know, some of the elite private schools can be a very low cost option. The challenge is, can you get in? Mm -hmm. You can get into Harvard. Most likely the finances will come into place, but most likely you're not getting into Harvard because it's highly selective. Um, and there's, you know, 20, 30, 50 colleges at that top of the heap, so to speak, that work kind of like that. And then you've got your local state school options where a lot of times that for them, what they publish is their price in many states. Now, some states will have an additional benefit of some sort that, you know, Anybody that, you know, has income less than X, like California, I believe it's, they have scholarships or help for families up to 150,000 in income, which is pretty generous. Most states, their, you know, their help for families is cut off at, you know, 45, 55, 65,000, something like that, where, again, the middle income and upper middle income aren't going to qualify for the need-based programs. But then there's sometimes there's academic programs in states too, where you can go to the local state school. And if you have a 3.5 GPA or better, you automatically get a $3,000 scholarship at any state school. You know, again, I made that up. I know Florida offers things. Um, Louisiana offers things. Uh, California, I believe has some academic based benefits. Um, mm -hmm. Texas does. Um, and then of course, another challenge is getting into your flagship school, right? So here in Wisconsin, University of Wisconsin, and if you're local in Wisconsin, it's University of Wisconsin-Madison, 
that's our flagship. We also have University of Wisconsin Whitewater, which is not a nationally known school. Um, Madison's 25-ish thousand, Whitewater's 21,000, all in. But you got to be top 10 or 15% of your class to get into Madison. You know, so University of Wisconsin-Madison, the one that's famous, has the football team, everybody's heard of. If you're not, you know, top 10 or 15% of your class, pretty strong test scores, you're not going there. So then, well, you know, what are your options? And, you know, so sometimes families are frustrated because they're just below the line where Madison would be a great option if the student would have just kicked it into gear a little bit more. Um, they might have made it and, the student, you know, again, again it would have been a good fit. So, and not everybody's, not every state has a strong flagship. So now all of a sudden you're saying, well, if we don't have a strong state school, we're going to go elsewhere for sure. Well, then all of a sudden the lowest cost state option, not a, a thing for you, your state. Um, so now you're looking elsewhere and you know, you're going to have to pay more. And then of course, when you look at the state schools, there's varying prices by state as well. Illinois and New Jersey and Pennsylvania, I think are kind of high priced. Um, for everybody in state, out of state, you just kind of, they just tend to have higher prices. And then some of the mountain states like Wyoming and um, Idaho and some of those, they're very low cost in Iowa. And again, typically where they struggle to attract students, right? There's not a lot of kids that want to go to Iowa to go to in college. California, it's not, right. right? It's not high <laughs> on their list from anywhere, but somewhere near Iowa, right? I mean, going from Wisconsin to Iowa is pretty, pretty normal. Right. Going from California to Idaho, Iowa is, yeah. you know, for whatever reason that, you know, people on the coast don't think there is that quality college in the middle of the country. Yeah. There's, um, a, there's the parent, there's the student that says, I think I want to go to school in Iowa. Okay. Well, uh, we'll go ahead and we'll visit there. We'll visit the school in the winter. And then you can tell me if you want to go there. <laughs> right. Well, for sure. Yes. I mean, that's real too. Um, but, and again, and then there's all kinds of things that parents need to realize as far as out of the box, right? Going to Canada for school. What about study abroad? Um, again, for a semester, for a year, uh, gap year is becoming more and more popular. And I think very appropriate, um, for kids that, you know, are struggling with what they want to be, maybe getting another year of maturity will make the college experience work out better for them. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. But again, you, you generally need to figure out, well, what are you going to do productive during that time? If they're just going to sit home and play video games for a year before they go to college, yeah. well, maybe not. Again, well, again, but if they're on the world stage and, you know, video games are becoming real as right. far as, you know, being a good video game player can be just as lucrative as being a good basketball player these days. Yeah. Um, so that's becoming real. So for those of your parents that were your kids are saying, yeah, but it's real. And if you don't believe it is becoming real, there are colleges offering scholarships and building esports teams and, um, competing and they're starting to form leagues and that type of stuff. So it's becoming real again. Is it the right path? Who knows? There's lots of right paths. Um, uh, no, you're right. I mean, there are scholarships for video gaming. I mean, it's insane, but there are, and, and it is becoming real. I, we have, uh, on the, on the high school that, uh, that I coach at, um, we have a player on our team. That's one of, uh, he's some, I, I, 
I have no idea what he, how ranked he is, but they say he's nationally ranked in video gaming and he's one of our basketball players. He's actually a really good basketball player, but um, so yeah, that is real. I, I found uh, just kind of off topic. I, the, the, uh, yesterday morning, I, I don't know how I found it, but I was in social media and I saw it was almost, it was like in an, uh, uh, a ring, like a boxing ring or an octagon ring. And it was two guys that were pillow fighting and it was an actual competition. Like it was professional pillow fighting. I'm like, wow. <laughs> what is this world coming to when we got professional pillow fighting as a sport? Um, yeah. But no, I mean, there are different, there's so many different, my point in that is there's so many different um, things now that, that are available to students to, uh, to pick up uh, sports scholarships though, are very hard to come by. And if you're fortunate enough to have a sports scholarship, um, the high, there's a high percentage that your that your scholarship for that for that uh, college is not going to be a full ride. They have right. to be like elite of the elite to get the full ride scholarship. My son got a basketball scholarship to play at his college, uh, and it was a good scholarship. But we still have a large chunk of it that we have to pay, um, right. and that's okay. He wanted to play college ball and he got a scholarship to play at a college and uh, good for him, but we still have to pay for college. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's so many different scholarships out there and, and uh, so many different things that ways that students can help um, cover the cost of it. But the point is, is taking that initiative early enough um, is important. So, right. Exactly. So I guess one final thought around this whole process, right? So, so parents kind of need to make a, maybe a more of a conscious decision about how they're going to deal with college versus kind of an unconscious one. As an example, if your kid came to you and said, dad, I really want to learn to play the piano. Do you know how to play the piano? I don't. <laughs> no. Would you learn how to play the piano so that you could teach him how to play the piano or what would you do? Right. You'd go find someone that knows piano. Yeah. Perhaps yeah. even find a professional piano instructor. So not only do they know how to play, but they know how to teach. Hire them and have them teach your son how to play piano would be a tip. You know, that's just an obvious thought, right? Mm -hmm. Well, now when we get into the college process, we have to realize that the game has changed here as well. Just like in sports, right? Now, if you've got an, uh, an athlete that you know wants to learn free throws, they can go to a special free throw coach. I'm sure there's one somewhere in California that, you know, he'll have a workshop on how to do free throws, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Well, the same thing around college. Now, if, you know, students, there's people out there that specialize in helping students. And there's people out there that specialize in helping parents. That's what I do. Um, but then there's also courses and videos and all types of things of, you know, you don't have to go it alone anymore. Um, because again, there's specialists that can help you figure out what your student wants to be when they grow up. They could take a course, they could get one-on-one, -on -one, you know, help. You, they can help with essay writing, with choosing schools, choosing careers. Um, I help families with how to pay for college. You know, I tend, you know, a good way to balance what I do compared to what a lot of these other people do is I work with parents. I seldom, you know, maybe 20 or 30% of the students I actually meet. So most of my work is with parents, whereas a lot of these other advisors, they work with the student. And Sometimes both, you know, I'll work with parents while one of these advisors is working with the students. And because college is so expensive now, getting it right the first time can make a, you know, a good 
makes good financial sense. Mm. I, you know, if you can avoid right. an extra semester, an extra year, changing schools, some of those things. You know, again, when you and I went to college to run into that kid that says, well, I'm, this is my sixth year here because I changed my major twice. And it's like, well, no big deal. Mm. But another two years of college these days is just not realistic. And sometimes there, sometimes students are going to college for six years and they didn't change their major at all. And it's just because the, you know, the classes weren't available because there's so many kids that are in, in, in that particular school or college. Um, I did want to ask you uh, one more question and then um, I'll let you go, but let's, uh, let's fast forward now. Let's say that as a parent, you have, you, you've paid for some of the college and you decided to take out some loans for the other college, I mean, for the rest of the costs um, for your child. And now um, your child is now graduated or graduating. And now you realize I've got to pay back on those on those loans that I took out for those four years. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you get, you start to see the financial paperwork come in and you're like, holy crap, I, I can't afford this monthly payment. What, how, what do I do? What do I do? Like, I mean, that can be, that can be a scary thought where you're having as a parent, you're like, okay, I've got this, this bill now that the monthly cost is high. And typically because the interest that you, because you weren't paying for the college while they were in school, the interest over the last three or four years is now showing up on that bill. And you're like, I, I can't afford this monthly payment for this, um, for the school. So what right. do you do? What, what would you tell right. parents in that situation? Well, yeah. I mean, again, there's a, there's a lot of those tough situations where the loan, especially like there's what's called a plus loan that's available to parents to help pay for college. They don't, vet you, you know, a mortgage company, if they're going to give you a mortgage, they try and figure out and verify that you can afford to make the payments and they'll get their money back eventually because they don't really want to foreclose. But the student loan industry, the federal government offers a plus loan where they don't really ask much about your ability to repay it. They just verify that you've got reasonably good credit. If you have reasonably good credit, you know, I've seen families earning 30,000 a year borrow 60,000 a year for college. And that's just insane. There's just no way that they're going to be able to afford to pay it back. So hopefully that student appreciates it and helps their parents out. Uh, no guarantee though, right? I mean, I don't know what, if they could have a, but I think that's the reality is parents are signing and co-signing and they're the adult in the room. They may have to ultimately say no if they, you know, again, if they back themselves into a corner, you can refinance loans and stretch out the payments. You know, sometimes it's, I can't repay it in a 10 year schedule. I got to go to a 15 year schedule. Um, but now all of a sudden, depending how old you are when you had kids, right? You might have a lot of work life left if you had kids young, but if you had kids older, like I did, um, and some of the people I'm working with a lot of times where they're saying, you know, I've got, you know, my last one's going to be a senior in college still, and I plan on retiring. You know, I don't have a lot of recovery time after college to, to prepare for retirement. And many times what we see is we've got five or 10 years to, you know, hit it hard. And, but I think that's the overall planning around. If you feel like you're responsible for college and you need to start thinking about that and saying, well, if I'm on the hook for a hundred thousand dollars times three kids, I may have to pull out $300,000 out of my life here. Can I afford to do that and still meet my other goals? Or do I need to get more work? If I, you know, again, if you're going to do it, that's right. You increase your income, you reduce your expenses, you 
you know, it's not rocket science, unfortunately. And um, and yes, you can refinance and maybe you can find the lower cost ways to do, you know, to do that. And that certainly makes sense. As an example, I have a lot of people say, well, this student loan's at 7%. Why would I borrow at 7% when I can get a home equity line at 3%? And generally, my answer is, well, you probably wouldn't. Again, but realize, of course, you're risking your home now, right? If that loan doesn't get repaid, you lose your home as compared to the student loan. If it doesn't get repaid, your credit goes bad and your life's still miserable, but at least you don't lose your house. Um, and again, most, a lot of families are saying, but I don't plan on defaulting on any loan anywhere. So I just want to keep my, you know, I want to keep it low cost as possible. And they're willing to use their home equity. But again, that's where, you know, college planning is retirement planning and college planning needs to be a part of your overall financial planning. Most families are going to earn a certain amount of money in their lifetime. And if we're efficient about it, we might be able to have new cars and college. If we're not efficient, then we have to give up new cars or we have to give up college. Um, but most people don't think about it that way is how do we squeeze as much as we can into our existing income? And more important than that, how do we squeeze what's important to our family into that income? Because a lot of times we we fall into these routines, right? Where we're spending a lot of money. I like to pick on cable TV, right? I mean, we're spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars a month on cable TV and nobody's really watching it even. And we just, we pay it because it's habit and the effort of figuring it out is too much effort. So we just keep paying the bill and, you know, occasionally we watch it. Um, but there's always that challenge of how do we get, get to be a little more efficient and figure this all out and, you know, base it in reality and et cetera, et cetera. So that I think that, you know, I guess, so how do we deal with loans that we're in, where we're in over our head? Well, again, refinance, hopefully, don't, you know, first step, of course, don't get in the problem to begin with. Um, second step, you know, make sure if you're st sticking your neck out, your kids understand and maybe get them on the hook with you in some way. Um, third, you know, again, refinance. A lot of times student loans are a little harder to discharge or, or impossible, depending on what type of loan it is. It's harder to get rid of them through bankruptcy by, and that's on purpose because again, they're loaning money in a situation where they're not checking to see if you could afford to repay it. And the interest rates would be higher if they could be discharged in bankruptcy. It'd be more like a credit card then mm. where if you don't have strong credit, you're going to pay 18 or 20% because they're worried they got to get enough money that because a lot of people are going to discharge it and go bankrupt. So um, they would have to charge a lot more. So the government said, well, we're going to create these student loans. We're going to make them easy to borrow, but we're also going to make them hard to discharge a bankruptcy. Mm. Right or wrong, you know, that's what has happened. So don't get yourself in that situation. Make sure you're planning early enough. That's the key. Exactly. Plan early. Plan early. Um, well, listen, Brad, it's been, uh, it's been a pleasure having you on. I want to give you a chance to uh, let my listeners a um, uh, little bit more about where they can look you up, learn a bit more about what you're doing, um, the best place for them to do that. Right. So I have a ton of resources and you can phone number and contact all my contact information at tamingthehighcostofcollege.com. Um, some highlights would be I have a podcast there. So, you know, if you've got 
if you're a podcast listener, which you probably are, hence you're listening to us, um, sign up for my podcast and start just listening to some episodes about all the various pieces. And that would be a great place to start where you're going to start learning the, the language and start hearing about the various experts out there, that type of thing. Um, but then we also have the scholarship guide for busy parents. We have uh, your scholarship money report where you can put in your financial, you know, a quick thumbnail of your financials, a quick thumbnail of your students' grades and three colleges, and it will calculate your need-based aid, your merit aid, and give you an estimate of what that particular college may cost specifically for your situation. And then you can change the numbers and say, well, what if my kid worked hard and got better grades? Would it change? And then you can you know, run it again and see what better grades might mean um, or different financial picture or whatever it might be. So there's lots of tools like that. I also have some courses, um, College Planning Jumpstart that kind of teaches you the basics of how to do all this. And I'm available if you want to work with me directly. Awesome. Well, very cool. Um, thank you again, Brad, for uh, for being on the show. I appreciate it. I think this is a, such an important topic, um, not only for students, but for parents. Um, parents, this really is uh, uh, an issue that, um, you know, a lot of parents face uh, that they struggle with. Um, and it doesn't have to, the key is, the point is, it doesn't have to be a struggle. If you're planning early enough uh, and you know the tools that are out there, uh, you know that people like Brad are out there to help uh, parents work through the situation, it really doesn't have to be a struggle. Um, the point is just getting uh, the information and the tools available to you. Um, so having reaching out to people like Brad uh, and, and the resources that he provides on his website um, is a great place to start. So uh, Brad, I appreciate you again, brother, for being on. I really do. Thank you for having me. Thank you guys very much for listening to and viewing another episode of Dad Up. Appreciate uh, Brad for joining me on this episode. Make sure you guys are checking out his website, uh, his podcast to get all the information you need. And I look forward to seeing you all on the next episode of Dad Up. Thanks for listening to another episode of Dad Up. Make sure you guys subscribe to my podcast and my YouTube channel. And do me a favor, leave me a rating and a review. We'd love to hear from you to see what you think of the show. Stay tuned for more exciting episodes coming up each and every week. Thank you for listening. This is Dad Up.